Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Questbond Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Uh, I want to go ahead and introduce everybody. We have an open editorial meeting tonight, but before I do that, I just want to let everybody know tonight's show uh, was supposed to feature Shirley Abney, our old friend, Shirley Abney. Uh, I saw her last night. As you all know, she's living in Mexico City. Uh, and We wanted to have her on uh, because she was with the migrant caravan in Mexico City. They stopped off and she had all kinds of, you know, fascinating insights uh, as as only Shirley can report. Uh, and I saw her last night. We went to a party. You know, she was talking for seven hours straight. And I should have stopped her from talking because about an hour before the show tonight, she sent me a message. She's like, I can't, I can't talk. I can't make a sound with my voice. My voice, I ruined my voice last night. Whatever, we were at a party. So she had to elevate her tones in order to be heard. Uh, and apparently her voice has been eroded. Uh, so we'll have Shirley on at another time. I definitely want to give her a chance to share those stories. But I wanted to let you guys know. We were hoping that Shirley would be here. I hope no one's too disappointed. She's an old friend of the show, obviously, and a friend of all of ours. But it gives us an opportunity to have our full, open editorial meeting. Uh, I want to welcome everybody. Anne, it's so nice to see you. Hi, welcome, guys. welcome. And everyone, please feel free. Go ahead and you can unmute yourselves now. Welcome, Anne. Charlie is here. Welcome, Charlie. Uh, and so, and Silvano, who you've been on the show before, but you've been on the show as an international guest calling in from Germany, but now you're back in the Bay Area. I'm back in the Bay Area uh, briefly. Yes. All right. Somewhat less exciting than Germany. Um, Whatever, dude. But it's still, it's, it's, it's still a pleasure to have you. Uh, and of course, behind the curtain, Eming, keeping us all on task. Uh, so welcome, everyone. We, we agreed that we would start with Charlie with a story, uh, you know, that sadly sells itself. Uh, I, I have my own thoughts and theories about this, but I don't know very much about your insights, Charles, but this is a story that started with a photograph of a homeless encampment uh, and involves uh, a bloody mattress. Is that, is that correct, Charlie? You want to tell me how you came to this and, and what the significance of this event is here? Uh, well, basically... Uh... I was on my way home from therapy. Uh, I was taking my normal route home. And uh, as I'm walking under an underpass uh, where uh, um, there's a continuous uh, homeless encampment, they come and clean it up and shut it down. They restart it. Cyclical. This is in Oakland. Yeah. Okay. And I'm walking through, I'm walking under this underpass and there's this huge fucking like queen size mattress uh, halfway between the street and the sidewalk and is bloody as all fuck. And uh, the blood is like not dry, it's still new, is you can kind of see it congealing uh, on the mattress it was the mattress was the at the very least physically traumatic happened on that mattress so you took a photo and, right? that's how i heard about this is that you took a photo yeah posted it. and so what was interesting to me is that the homeless encampment had been cleaned out everybody was gone everything was gone except for this mattress right 
and speaking to a young lady. Uh, the mattress had been there three days by the time I walked up on it. So that was the third day. So A, for it to be that bloody was, you know, just a really jarring sight. B, the fact that I learned later that it was there for three days and that the blood hadn't dried yet, mm. let me know exactly like how much blood uh, was lost in that uh, particular incident. Mm-hmm. And days, though? I don't believe that. That just seems she well, I had I have no reason to disbelieve her because like I said, she lives on the block and she walks under that underpass daily. So I, I mean that to other neighbors. I could talk to other neighbors and see like yeah, how whether long. or not whether it's been one day or three days. Yeah, no, that, that, cleaned out. We so have a bloody, it, a bloody mattress, and your your interpretation of that bloody mattress is that there was well, a it, it was crazy of, because it's like oh, the, most certainly, like there was you could see the mattress was folded in toward the middle, like you you could see that somebody had been kind of wrapped in that mattress. I mean, okay, all right, hold on. Here's here's when I'm gonna come in. I didn't see it. I only saw your photograph, right? Yes. Okay. And then I didn't talk to anybody else. But I I put some thought into this, right? I didn't just glance. Okay. It, but I have I have a counter narrative. Uh, I I just know how much that head wounds can bleed, right? Like that's a lot of blood, but it's also yeah. shocking. I'm sure lots of people here have their own evidence. Uh, and their own experiences with the with the blood wound. You can have a tiny cut on your head that will bleed out so far that it will look like a murder scene, right? Right. Uh, and I, although whoever left that blood on that mattress, let's say somebody had a head wound, you know, maybe someone wasn't taking care of themselves. Maybe, maybe somebody drank a lot and fell asleep. Then this is, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. You can pass out with a head wound and bleed on a mattress. There are, I, I think there are a lot of different explanations for a blood-soaked mattress that maybe don't involve necessarily an assault or a crime or one person hurting another person. I'm not I, saying that. I, no, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, as somebody who personally knows people who have babies on mattresses. Um, <laughs> another good example? Oh, really? I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly aware of all of the different ways yeah. Uh, that blood could have ended up on that mattress. But it was two things that really stuck out to me that made me feel as though it might have been like evidence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One was obvious kind of uh, point of impact, like a splatter spot. And, uh, and then, you know, everything else was just soaking. Yeah. And then two, there was a did we lose Charlie? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. There was a I what? Think that's it. <laughs> so number two. Yeah. What? Maybe he's getting, he's getting what was close. it? He's getting too close to the truth. Char- yep. <laughs> yeah. F- FBI kicked in the door. Kick him out, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's oh unfortunate. That's. I think well, there's wait. a greater. How how about this? Crime or no crime? There is a greater social relevance here, which is one. What happened to this homeless encampment? Right? Like, why was this a place that was safe for people to stay for a certain amount of time and then it's not safe for people to stay there for a certain amount of time? Two, let's say there is no crime. It's just a bloody mattress laying in the street. That's not healthy. What is the priority, uh, you know, for community safety and community health to take care of something like that? Certainly, 
Charlie's not the only person who noticed a bloody mattress laying in the street in a community where, where people live. I can see what's happening here, and this is uh, okay, potentially... Go. And yeah, back. Was, so Charlie, yeah. welcome back. <laughs> yeah, welcome. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it was, there was a handprint. Yeah, so yes, give us, give us our... Uh, there was a handprint. It's a handprint? Maybe it was just some like really nasty, yeah, kinky, so, bloody sex, you know? Yeah. Like, Nah, I don't know, man. No? It's a, it's a theory. It's a, I don't want to shoot it down right away. Huh? It's reaching for it. Huh? There are just yeah. so many explanations that I think it's, like, foolish for us to say, like, it was bloody sex. It was a murder. <laughs> I, mean, I remember I remember one time, dude, my dad got this nosebleed. It could have been a nosebleed. <laughs> I remember one time, dude, my dad got this nosebleed, and he straight up had, he straight up soaked, like, two towels. He, he went yeah. to the emergency room for yeah. it. But like a, a nose can bleed uh, uh, an insane amount, you know. That's so, true. Yeah, that's whoa. another good theory. Okay, somebody has a bloody nose, passes I out. I, I got, I got yeah, your blood right. splatters. I got your blood splatters. Right? Sneezes. Yeah, you got so what, many drug addicts doing an encampment. So many so drug addicts. There was, right? there was, there was splatter on one section, Sneeze. and then you know Sneeze. a huge uh, area where blood had soaked in with uh, a space, you know, in the middle where it was less soaked, where the body would have been laying. But there was also a handprint situated uh, on the opposite end of the mattress and facing in a way that the person laying there wouldn't have been able to do it. There was We're also- already, Charlie, I just want to point out, you're already using words like the body. Hold on, hold on, hold on. First and foremost, yeah. Whether or not it got up and walked away or was taken it, to a it, hospital, still a body. Like, there yes, was a body. True. There was a body. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Um, Somewhat uh, so, uh, but factually accurate. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and so uh, there, there uh, is also uh, a handprint situated in a way that the person laying in that space couldn't have done it. And there's a heavy, heavy crease in the mattress going straight down that makes it look like the mattress was completely folded over. What and there's that? no blood so, anywhere else around so this mattress. I don't understand this part. Why? What's the folding of the mattress like? What, Charlie what's thinks going there's like, closing of the body in the mattress. With the mattress? Is it so hard to carry a mattress? Yeah, you, and the murderer is like, that'll do it. You can't really fold a mattress <laughs> like a body No one's going right? to find this. I folded it. <laughs> I just I don't know it doesn't it just I'm, it's not it's not clicking for me you know yeah but I, that's why it's the it's the question that keeps on giving because there is no easy answer yeah, I mean yeah. I my, my question Charlie and I'll repeat it because I, I it might have been while while we lost you for a second crime or no crime murder or no murder uh what is the larger social relevance here, right? Like, what does okay, this have so to do? Okay, so the larger with- relevance is, the larger relevance, at least to me, is that I was asked by several people to submit the photo to different local news outlets, right? I decided not to um, because it was the day before the election. And somebody, the would have, the somebody would have found a way to blame the immigrant caravan for a bloody mattress in the street or, or something like that. <laughs> Been able to exploit uh, this bizarre, unexplained event in a way that could have changed public opinion. That's fair. I mean, there would have been people who were willing to exploit it. 
there would have been people who would have just been jarred by the site and yeah. by that by extension you know uh all homeless encampments are bad that's a good point. right 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 that's yeah that's so like point. in my mind uh this was just something for me and my friends and followers on the gram and facebook and shit to kind of look at and think about you mean like basically like the the first 20 minutes of boys in the hood when he says you want to see a you dead body, a dead and body? Then, yeah and then he takes them he's like hey guys check it out and they're like okay cool you know and then they yeah. like and, their and football, and they get arrested for stealing candy and then okay and then, okay I, I got a question though so like people were people every so you're saying everybody was prompting you to to give it to the news what why the fuck the news bro like why not the cop like what oh Why? i mean there were people there were there were a couple people there were a couple people who said you know police but anybody who really knows me knows yeah, me better so yeah um, to me your, your story that's it's so deep that picture stuck out it was fresh yeah. it was something yeah. nobody else has and nobody else is gonna post but yeah. like but we want to see it right so my question and like what i started learning you know but you have to ask the questions right so it's about what are the the homeless encampment antics like what 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 are the things that they kind of like beef over and, right. drugs. Um, it, yeah. drugs probably is this so then sure. this is another barter, this is right? another important point yeah they right? barter. yeah for sure similar similar to what charlie's saying is like is this isolated oh. item gonna lead people to draw unfair and undue conclusions about a homeless encampment Right. Like with this, e- e- even if nothing else happens, because a gangfully employed, well housed motherfucker could have dropped that mattress off in that spot. That's true. Like, did you watch mm-hmm. American Psycho? He knew that it's no true. one was going to investigate that. Yeah. So. yeah. But, you know, but you would make an, people make an assumption. This mattress yeah. came from a home. Damn oh, well, even me. I was like, oh, yeah, if you're drunk with a cut on your head, you pass out. Right. How what does that say about my own assumptions about people who, who might live in a homeless encampment? But Charles, you well, mean right see, there, what was it? What I, you, what I, have, I have the, I guess, benefit of experience in this case that I this isn't the first time I've seen a body or evidence of a body that's been dumped uh, in Oakland. So uh, I, I partially grew up in East Oakland. Uh, I'm from the, what I jokingly call the want to see a dead body days when I referred to my childhood, uh, to my children, when you referenced the boys in the hood, that was, that was an experience I had quite a few times. That's something that we associate with 30 years gone now. Right. And you know, murder rates that just don't exist anymore. Right. This is an an aberration, right? This is an aberration now. Right. And, but, um, but not so much. Because I want to say the night before Thanksgiving, two or three years ago, I can't remember. Three years ago, I didn't go to sunrise ceremony. So it was two years ago. I was driving on 580 with some friends on the way to our hotel before sunrise ceremony the next morning. And there was a fully, you know, there was a body wrapped, bloody body wrapped in a sheet on the side of the highway. Damn it. And when I saw it, you know, I pointed it out to the other people in the car. Yeah. No, I mean, that's not to say that there aren't dead bodies in the world. You know, if you Oh, yeah, no. They are. In in that instance, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a body wrapped in a sheet. 
This is the right. suggestion of uh, what could be many possible. This things. is just a bloody mattress, right? <laughs> this is right. just a bloody mattress. Mm-hmm. Here's my here's my conclusion, and here's why this is you know could what were you asking? Hold potential future interest for us here as a group. Could this be our serial moment? Could this be <laughs> that causes us to build a multi? episode podcast trying to solve Russell you're gonna edit that shit then I'm not doing that you go ahead I'm into it man I wanna I wanna get I wanna I wanna get to the bottom of this mattress bro because it touches on so many issues first we have have to I'm I'm looking forward to getting some kind of answers soon I have I have some neighbors who have actually uh started to put in some real queries (laughs) it gives us an opportunity where is the mattress now what what happened to the is mattress? It still there? Is it now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what's what's happened? Have they picked it up? Like, what's... the people in the full body suits came and got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. How quickly? How how long did it take them to get out there to to pick it up? And who called them? Did you did you call? Like, what was the? Uh, no, no, no. I posted the photo to Facebook and okay. several. Uh, you know, upstanding community members uh got did what they do, got in action. You know what I mean? So, so what was and, the timeline? You you posted it, and then how long after you posted it did these these people in the hazmat suits come out? I, I, the next day. Okay. Sure. That's a long time. Yeah. It is. It's pretty. Yeah. That's like four yeah. days then, technically. If if you're if you're. Oh, this is Oakland. Right. But it's new Oakland or v- old v- Oakland? This is Oakland. I wouldn't have been shocked if it was there another three days. Wow. Yeah. Write that story, Charles. Yeah. That's dope. I'm interested in like what the homeless people fight over, and then like what the heck, what, what you know, your journey to finding that mattress and this, and like the reporting. That's because there are a lot of avenues here to explore. Yeah. One is we just have to talk about the existence of this homeless encampment. Right? Now, I don't know how many yeah. times. I don't know if this is part of your walk home, Charles, and you can talk about whatever observations they are, and then we can also talk about the rise, like. As crazy as I think San Francisco and the Bay Area was, Charlie and I are roughly the same age when we were kids, right? There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of poverty. There certainly weren't homeless encampments the way that there are now, right? Like like that is a a development, an offshoot, a consequence of a change in real estate, right? Like in the 80s, maybe it was poor and violent. Maybe it was like gangland and like the height of the crack epidemic, but like at least people had a place to live or crash or whatever. So this homeless encampment is a new iteration. It's an interesting story uh, on its own. I mean, I didn't really- yeah, I heard You would see it, like but... maybe one or two people would have a setup under an overpass or something somewhere, yeah. Yeah, but like- There was no shortage of homeless people, but the idea of like encampments. I think, I think, I think another huge difference is because- San Francisco used to be known as sort of like a hub for the traveling homeless. Yeah. But this is di- like these homeless people in these tents are San Franciscans. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are people who are from there. Yeah. The people who have, you know, uh, a life of vagrancy that may have brought them yeah. to places to San Francisco. That's what you're saying. They're not vagrants. They're like real yeah. fucking homeless. Like they're real, yeah. like, like down yeah, and out. I've, like, I've, yeah. I recently found out uh, uh, I reconnected via Facebook with an aunt who, or close family friend, like an aunt that I hadn't spoken to in many years. And uh, her son, my cousin, um, I found out 
um, that he died, he was basically killed. He was burned uh, in a homeless camp um, in San Francisco. And uh, I mean, this is a, this is like, an incredibly vulnerable population, per, perhaps the most vulnerable population. Really high concentration yes. of people with mental illness. Really high concentration of people with substance abuse histories. Obviously, poor people. Really, no recourse if something were to happen to them. It's not so crazy to think that a crime could be committed that the police are not interested in investigating because these are not high. No, that, and that's exactly that that's what happened with my. That's that's exactly what happened with my cousin. He was basically murdered by somebody uh, who burned him alive. And uh, the police is like, oh, just an accidental fire in the homes. Are there other, I was a little bit, I was surprised, not surprised to learn, but um, I've associated these encampments with San Francisco, but Charlie, you're saying this, this is in Oakland. There are other concentrations, other homeless encampments like this throughout the Bay Area and cities outside of San Francisco proper. Dude, Oakland has got all some green encampments, bro. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like I said, Oakland, yeah. Oakland, all, all dude, over Oakland. Dude, Oakland's got some badass encampments. Like, like San Francisco's got little encampments all over, but Oakland has some fucking big ones. Oh, dude. like uh, there's yeah. one in East Oakland where people are literally living in a sinkhole. Like they are gulagging it. And hmm. what are like? What's the population here? How many tents? How many people? Is it ten tents? Twenty people? What are, What are we talking about? Well, when you get to like certain situations, okay, so there are Oakland like city sanctioned uh, homeless encampments, I and those don't have tents at all. Hold on, let me Ann, let me ask you really quickly. I know you're in Vallejo. Is this is this as far out as Vallejo? Do you what's the homeless population like where where you're living? I'll, I'll say two things. So today I go to Walmart. We have like a neighborhood Walmart, which is like a grocery store. Yeah. And there's all, you know, like vagrants and odd people like in front of the the store and you're like, um, crazy people dancing in the the parking lot. So they're, they're obviously like loaded. And then there are um, there's a constant. Um, how do you say it? like RVs parked in the lot? So you're like, this place is weird. And then you have people inside who are, you know, dumping the change within the the slots, like the, the coin star type things, which okay, is fine. Right. But yeah. all of a sudden it gives you this kind of like indication, like this is, this Walmart for some reason is attracting a different kind of crowd. And what happens is I guess in Vallejo, this one's off of Sonoma and like, not right, but uh, Serrano. There's a bus stop. Okay, one, we are bus stop, whatever. But like, we don't have a lot of bus stops here just yet. There's a system, and but a bus stop means something. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was there are two hospitals close by, and so and then like I think there's also a, a facility, like maybe a shelter or something like that. And so you're like, oh, it's interesting to see that this is something that's only attracted to this kind of somewhat portion of Vallejo North. Right. Is that a change? How long have you been living there now? Sure. Or I don't know, uh, maybe four years now. Okay. And has has there been a change? Is this a new development that there's a rise in the homeless population there? Or has it kind of always been there? Sure. So this part, I think, is like a steady spot. And I think there's an influx. And then like what I learned when I was taking carpool in, they were saying how 
they are actually giving tickets to people to uh, from the city or in those areas and shifting them to Vallejo and Fairfield. And you, you only heard this as a rumor, but to hear that as kind of like a right. fact, I was like, wait, what? So right. um, we do. And you think, and, and really quickly, you're saying there are RVs that are parked in the parking lot at Walmart. Isn't sure, that kind sure. of a common but, occurrence at Walmart's anyway, since a lot of them are open late? Aren't a lot of people who kind of like live I don't in travel I'll say open? this, there are two different kinds of like RV parkers, right? So what I've learned was in San Mateo, people are parking like along um, San Mateo all the way to Palo Alto. They're, they're parking along El Camino. They're, they, they, they own a home in Stockton, but they're, they don't want to commute, right? The, the two hours there and two hours back. So they're living in their RV, like those three, whatever, four to five days a week. And then, and then going back home to their home that they own. Wow. This is one, one person that you're talking about? Are there several people who do this? No, you can find them along like El Camino because that's like a strip and there's certain regulations where you can move. All you need to do is move the parking spot. and And these are people who are employed and people who have a home, but they just don't live close enough to their jobs that it makes sense for them to commute every day. And this is the solution that they've come up with that's bananas right yes that's one the other one is like they come from stockton and then they park wherever they can at 3 4 a.m so that they're not sitting in that crazy traffic or doing that crazy long commute but the rvs in vallejo those aren't those kinds of commuters you know what i mean like those are the you know bashed out windows let's put a garbage bag over it and then like but still live in it and i don't know it's different it's different Yeah. Well, I remember you mentioned Walmart and I don't think this was actually a Walmart retailer. It might've been Target. Um, But this is something that I saw, I don't know, maybe a year ago that tents had to be locked up in certain, like certain retailers decided to lock up tents because they were such like a high value item that they were being stolen. Uh, and I thought, it, well, at least in San Francisco and in the Bay Area, and I thought, well, that's really pretty profound. That's indicative. It's like you can't afford to rent something anywhere in the Bay Area. It's like, okay, fine, then I'll live in a, in a tent, a homeless encampment. It's like I can't afford the tent. You know, it's like a, a certain level of desperation. And I think the association with the with the lock was like, wow, that that they were. I guess that there's some, there's a nefarious aspect, right? It's like, instead of acknowledging this problem and saying like, people are so desperate for a place to live that they're stealing their tent from Target. Mm -hmm. uh, It's like, no, we need to lock them up. Not that tents should necessarily be free, but I just thought that was like a very loaded development. There was a lot in there to unpack, right? Like that, that people are so desperate for a place to live that they were stealing tents from Target in, in huge numbers. One, one final point, just to kind of put things in perspective, uh, because this does relate to uh, our, our primordial ooze at New America Media. Soon after uh, the economic decline, which is now uh, exactly 10 years ago, right, 2008, Sandy, wow. Sandy read something about uh, tent cities that were going up in Atlanta or like outside Atlanta and Georgia. Right. And she was saying, you know, her theory at the time, again, famously, you know, write the headline first and then go report to, so that it matches the headline. You know, in her mind, she said, OK, this is the, the direct result of this economic decline. 
now it's the grapes of wrath and people are living in you know tent cities on the side of the road and i was dispatched russell go to athens georgia to find this tent city interview people while you're there uh i went i went to athens georgia i went to the tent city i wrote a story about it um but what i found was you know the same vulnerable group of people that we might find in some of the tent cities in san francisco people with mental illness people with substance abuse who didn't, there was no way for society to incorporate them. They'd kind of been pushed further and further out and they actually did live in the woods um, in their own tent encampment. It became its own story. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that that tent city hoax was a hoax, right? That was reported by CNN at the time because uh, it fit in with, with our fears, right? Oh, you know, the, the economy fell apart. Everyone's gonna be homeless. Now people are living in tent cities. But the reality is now, the economy is quite healthy, right? Full recovery and then some, right? Uh, and there's, there's evidence of that all over San Francisco and, and everywhere else. You know, unemployment is at an all-time low. And yet, now is when the tent city emerges, right? The tent cities and encampments don't emerge as a consequence of some kind of, you know, catastrophic economic event. They emerge out of capitalistic success like this is all the measurable every measurable factor including you know the employment rate uh you know gdp all of that is up everything's up but we have so many more people who aren't sheltered right that's that's interesting to me right it, it flies in the face of everything else i know it has a lot to do with displacement and gentrification uh even though that's a really loaded term that would take forever to unpack and the desirability of cities versus, you know, communities where people wanted to live. But that's, that's a, that's a change. And it's something worth exploring. I don't know if one of us wants to take a crack at writing it, but it's an idea that should be in the air that we should be thinking about. Why is it that there are more unhoused people when the economy is booming, you know? Uh, and part of it could be, and you know, what Charles was talking about, make, there's a lot of evidence of that in New York City, a lot of homeless homelessness in new york city tons and tons of new development but a lot of the uh, units that are sold are uninhabited because they're um you know bought by foreign investors and just used as capital or a place to store money uh and they don't actually have someone living in them so there are a lot of different factors here again plenty of room for our serialized podcast should we get that off the ground and i know eming really wants to edit it so i'm just gonna pitch it and, and we'll keep you posted. Uh, before we uh, before we call it a night, the, the the bloody mattress went places I couldn't have dreamed of. First of all, I thought it was going to be a five minute conversation where Charlie's like, somebody got murdered on that mattress, and I'm like, you don't know. He could have had a bloody nose, and then that was the end of it. And instead, it turned into really an enlightening conversation uh, about so many of the social issues that we're trying to unpack here on the show. Uh, so I want to see if there are any burning desires. Does anybody have stories before we get out of here? Anything they want to pitch? And any insights? Anything they want to share? And hit us. <laughs> I got receipts. I know you have a story. <laughs> that was the voice. The voice of God jumped in. <laughs> yes, yes, he is God. I'm ready. <laughs> no, I I love it. I I was super duper inspired last time we um, met, and I I love the the revamp. Um, so I'm inspired to write a piece for your technology portion. I'm not there. Technocracy. Yet, technocracy. But I'm not like in Bitcoin or whatever, things like that. I guess what I am working on was a, um, 
I have this super amazing young baker. He's like 27 who opened up a shop here in Vallejo and he is dope. Like the way he did it. Um, Family's included. Um, he makes really pretty cakes. They are super duper classy. And I think it's an inspiration to like entrepreneurs, the growth of Vallejo um, and other like pastry chefs. I think it's a field and I think people are really excited about it. And I'm really excited to be documenting him. So I'm doing that right now. Um, what are you doing? Are you filming? Are you, do you want to write a profile? How do you, how do you want it to look? What kind of story is it? Sure, sure. It's something I've already started. And um, we started filming, uh, like what his shop looks like. We're inside, we're with the family, we're with like that, that what the fuck does this look like to run like a, a family run bakery, right? Um, and I think when you think of it, it's like, you know, like Chef Ramsey, like uh, kitchen nightmares, you know, but it's not scary like that. Um, like I said, it's clean, it's fresh, it's modern. But like it's and and what's really happening, like I, I do photo video stuff and I'm always at weddings and quinces and things like that. And like people are, are ordering these cakes and they're paying the prices for it. It's dope that this guy, he's been doing it for 10 years. His family was all into it. But now it's like there's a storefront and people mm. are walking in. He's been open for like four months. That's great. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited to like, talk to him to see who he is what it's about but it's genuine it's um family it's very vallejo and so that i'm excited i'm excited to to be a part of that and to i like it i'm in please, please keep us posted <laughs> send us your contribution we'll feature it on the site we'd be happy to oh i would love that <laughs> can you commute do you commute by ferry can you, do you take the ferry from the city out to all vallejo? right the story about Annie B being in Vallejo. So how do I make <laughs> money? Well, I have to take the ferry <laughs> to San Francisco, which means um, if I want to drive, that's about an hour and a half to two hours sitting in traffic, unless I carpool. Um, but if I take the ferry, it's now like $13 each way. There's no like wow. half pass because you like took it in the morning. Yeah. Um, and now they're like upping up the price for like parking. So it's a trip. Vallejo knows that there is an influx of San Francisco people coming this way. So yeah, the commute's nice. You've got a nice ferry boat. Um, you have like a table if you want to like type or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Thing. Yeah, I've been um, on the ferry. I always thought that would be a nice way to commute. You know, is sure. there any like uh, anti-San Franciscan resentment out there that yes. you're seeing? Yes. The beautiful part about Vallejo is that um, everyone who has been here is still here. Like, and they're like hella community, hella about like family and like your cousin and they know your mom and you know, things like that. Like they're yeah. invested in their community. And right. so that's why, that's why you don't see like a Starbucks down at the ferry, right? We have something a little bit more local. That's why you see like the brewery right there. You know, everything is there. I mean, I think they want to make money, but they don't need to have a mall here. You know, at least right. that's what the community members are fighting for. Right. So it's how the community. We'll keep it on the low. I promise <laughs> we'll do another episode called Don't Move to Vallejo and Blow Up and Spot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Your secret yeah. is safe with us, more or less. What's going on? How's your trip going, Silvano? Sorry, how, how, does, how does it feel to be back home after being in Germany? I, what, how, how long has it been since you were back there? Are you already over it and you want to? Week and a half. I am. I'm trying to go back. I'm, uh, I got <laughs> here. I, uh, you know, I was a little bit anxious and shit. You know, coming home is always, you know, al- always uh, causes a little bit of anxiety. There are always expectations. Yes. And you feel, yeah. you feel expectations yourself, too. Like, you got to, like, represent like who you are and what you've done with yourself in the last year and blah 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 you know um and now i'm uh and now i'm just kind of like yeah i'm over it dude and i'm ready to go back i'm (laughs) I'm gonna i'm gonna buy a ticket i'll probably go back in like a week and a half i was supposed to go back on december 6th yeah but i can't i can't stay that long man i mean it's it's nice to be home it's nice to see the fan but dude san francisco's it's got a whole other direction, man. And it's not like, it's not, you know, coming in here, it's, it's just not the same, dude. I don't, I don't feel at home, you know, and I don't got, I don't got, I don't got money or time to go out and party. I don't got friends to connect. Like, it just doesn't yeah. feel right. Like, it's cool to see, it's cool to stay with my friend. It's cool to see my family, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be here, dude. Right. That story, Silvano. That's dope. That's a deep yeah. ass story. Yeah. That's that. Bro. That's that chapter to Charlie's story. You yeah. know what I, mean? I mean, what I'm what I'm looking that's at dope. now, if we just look at these faces, right? And Charlie, Eming, Silvano. So and I was partially asking met, Charlie. Hold on, hold on, Charlie, hold on. I was partially asking Charlie, Anne wait, if she wait, was. Um, wait, I'm saying something right now, Charlie. Hold on. If you look at who's oh. here, if you look at Couldn't who's here, you. if you look at who's here, and Charlie, Eming. Silvana, myself, right? When we met, let's say, oh, you know, whatever, 15 years ago, we all lived in San Francisco, mm-hmm. right? Yep. All of us, one way or another. I don't know. Some of us lived with family. Some of, you know, I had a, a little apartment. Uh, and now none of us live in San Francisco. Eming's in Richmond, Anne's in Vallejo, Charlie's in Oakland, Silvano's in damn Germany. Yes. Uh, I'm in New York. There are a lot of uh, economic forces that led us to to leave San Francisco, and a lot of cultural forces that led us to San Francisco. Yeah, man, that's the thing, dude. Is that, like the that economic forces itself, drove us out. Could be that is its own uh, whole podcast series. The expatriates, you know, the ex San Franciscans. Hmm. Yeah, you know? like yeah, where yeah. where are we now, and how did we get there, and and how do we feel about this place that we loved and and we were so strongly connected to for a time? And now, Willie Brown finally got the San Francisco he envisioned. That's no, yeah. that's real. That's actually a really good. You're right. That's a really good uh, idea, Russell. That's an yeah. excellent idea. I like so it. So I'm a lot. just saying. That's I think that, that might one. be that yeah. might be the takeaway for the day because there is another story, and I'm not going to pitch it right now but there's a story that i'm realizing Anne can help out with and i've talked to you about this charlie about ex-san franciscans former san franciscans who are even further out than than you guys who are still in we are yeah like really really out there you know like hercules places like that you know even like joey joey said he was in sacramento like we reconnected and i was like what so you know what i mean like yeah Write that stuff. Yeah. Everyone's, yeah, everyone should start writing. Right. I like this. I like this. I'm in. This is yeah. a good idea. We have to follow this thread. We've been waiting for this nugget to emerge. I'm going to thank everybody for being here. And Charlie, Silvano, thanks for calling in. Thanks, as always, to Eming. This happy is a great conversation. Everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, folks. Uh, and until next time, Quest On. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.